to Burning the House Down, episode one, why motherhood is not for everyone. We are your hosts, Adia, and Neil, Iris, Kaya, and Kaylin. And in this episode, we'll discuss our essential question, how unconscious racism and bias is overlooked and hurtful. We will be talking about how this topic is reflected in Celeste Ng's Little Fires Everywhere, a novel about a perfect town riddled with underlying issues. It follows the story of two very different families, the Richardsons and the Warrens, and what happened when their paths converged. The novel opens with the Richardson mansion having burned down and then flashes back to the events that led to this development. This episode is sponsored by Shaker Heights Insurance Company. Worried about your problem child burning your house down? No worries, we're the only insurance company in town that insures against arson. today with our first question. How do people with privilege like the Richardsons uphold prejudice and discrimination even indirectly? The Richardsons are an upper middle class white family who lives in Shaker Heights, Ohio, which is a prevalent neighborhood. They have four kids and are well off. The Warrens, on the other hand, consists of Mia, who is the mother, and Pearl, who is the daughter. Um, they're poor and they travel around in their car, often switching where they live. Uh, their race is never explicitly stated, but the common interpretation is that they are black. One of the key conflicts in the book is um, the custody battle over a young baby. Um, this baby, um, known as Mailing or Mirabelle, is the biological child of Bibi, a young Chinese immigrant. Um, Bibi is fairly poor and she worked in a restaurant, and she felt that she was unable to support the child. So she left the baby outside of a fire station where um, she was discovered by the firefighters and eventually the state gave the baby to the McCullows, a rich family who are close friends with the Richardsons. And the McCullows, since they're white and Mirabelle slash Meiling is Chinese, they're trying to connect her to her birth culture by doing very surface level things like taking her to a Chinese restaurant, putting Chinese paintings on the walls, and since Bibi um, wants to gain custody of Meiling slash Mirabelle again, there's a custody battle. And during a part of the book, Mrs. McCullough is testifying in the stand and saying all the things that she's been doing to try and get Mirabelle slash Meiling connected to her birth culture. She says, you look at the toy aisle, most dolls are blonde with blue eyes. I mean, that's just the default. It's not anything racist. They just want to make a generic little girl one that will appeal to everyone. Right, and in that quote, she said that the, the dolls being made are the default. Um, and she even said herself that it wasn't racist. So she can't tell um, that these microaggressions that she's doing, that she's doing are very harmful. Another um, part of this conflict is the way that Bibi actually discovered the location <clears throat> of Mei Ling was because Mia, who was working for the Richardsons at this point, um, learned that the McCullough's had like a new baby that they recently adopted and she realized the timelines lined up for it to be um, baby M, who Bibi had actually been looking for and trying to get back since she was at a more stable place in life. Um, when Mrs. Richardson discovers this, however, she's just like furious. Like she goes to like, she sees Mia and like internally she's just like saying all of these like horrible things about her, saying things like, um, hair is always unkempt atop her head, a loose white button down un untucked over jeans, um, a sweet face, a young face, but not an innocent face. She didn't care, Mrs. Richardson realized, what people thought of her, in a way that made her dangerous. 
Mrs. Richardson, like her whole idea of like how things should be, like this like perfectionism is very much rooted in racism and classism. They obviously don't know like what effect this has. They're like, you know, like at the top, they like have privilege. Um, so they kind of have this idea like that everything in their view is like perfect and how it should be. Since they are this upper middle, they think that the perfect is kind of this white family, um, big house, you know, uh, multiple cars, stuff like that. And so when Mrs. Richardson, for example, is faced with um, someone like Mia who kind of goes around in her car and um, doesn't have a solid home, she gets really irked by it and annoyed because it's not her perfect. Um, and this is harmful because this then leads to her racism and microaggressions towards Mia um, just because she isn't exactly like her, um, that she, then it means that she must be you know, below her um, since it's not her idea of perfect. And like Mia is perfectly happy as she is, but Mrs. Richardson, like she doesn't see that. She just sees someone who's like below her, beneath her, someone who needs help. And as soon as like she, Mia denies that help or sort of goes against Mrs. Richardson, she gets mad. This connects well with our second question. How does ignoring racist and biased microaggressions make the situation worse? So since Mia isn't on the same level as Mrs. Richardson, Mrs. Richardson offers a job for her to be her housekeeper and she was like, oh like, um, you keep everything so clean, I should hire you to come to our house and like I pay you and stuff and you have time to take pictures. Um, but Mia was like, oh no, like I, I'm fine, like she doesn't have any debt to pay, she's like well off, but, and she keeps trying to find a way to like say no, but Miss Richardson keeps ins insisting that she takes the job, um, and Mia couldn't really find a way to like not say no so she was like oh yeah like thank you like that you're so generous how could I refuse it may seem like a nice offer but um, she just like kept pushing Mia to take the job because she can't accept that Mia is like well off by offering Mia the job Mrs. Richardson thinks like oh she's so nice like I'm being so generous and giving her some extra income when in fact Mia's like perfectly fine because she's the a photographer, she sells um, pieces of her photographs for for money as a living. But Mrs. Richardson, since that's not like a common profession that she thinks is like suitable, she wants to give Mia like some extra income, and by like telling her to be her house, her housemaid, it like kind of degrades Mia as someone below Mrs. Richardson. And in order to, for Mia to kind of like ignore it and also protect her daughter. children, Mia just like takes the microaggressions and she takes the job to protect Pearl. And by doing that, by ignoring the microaggressions, that will encourage Mrs. Richardson to do it more, thinking that she's being so generous, but in reality she's really not. And if, and when, if Mia doesn't stand up for herself, Mrs. Richardson would always just think she's superior. And I think it's interesting, like, the way um, the author kind of contrasts Mia's perception of things with Pearl's. Like, Pearl, because she's younger, she's far more, like, I don't want to say naive, but, like, innocent. Like, she doesn't, pers like, she doesn't see what Mrs. Richardson is doing as, like, kind of, she doesn't see the bias or 
the discrimination that kind of is behind all of it. Mia had to tell Pearl that Mrs. Richardson was someone she adored and was not to be trusted. She tried to tell her, and she did her best to explain, and she'd watched confusion wash over Pearl's face, then pain. Pearl could not understand it. This clearly shows how Pearl didn't understand that she was a victim of, this, uh, of, of these microaggressions from Mrs. Richardson. Um, and she thought of her as a friend, and she thought the Richardsons, um, that they were her friend as well, but clearly not. Another important topic in Little Fires Everywhere is unconscious racism and how pervasive it is. Throughout the novels, many of the characters are faced with microaggressions or they encounter subtle racism, but they don't really stand up to the perpetrator or do anything about it. They usually let it slide. Um, and sometimes they even use unconscious racism and microaggressions to their advantage. As for example, Mr. Richardson is someone who seems to be unproblematic, but then he, as in the quote, is as Mr. Richardson recognized that an angry Asian man didn't fit the public's expectation and was therefore unnerving. Asian men could be socially inept and incompetent and, rid and ridiculous. He realizes that he could use those microaggressions to his advantage to the media to turn the court over to his side during the custody battle over Mei Ling slash Mirabel. Like this book was made in like, like it's not made, but it was set in 1980s, something somewhere around there. 90s. 90s. 1997 yeah. or something like that. Yeah, but we still deal with these issues today and the major problem with microaggressions is it allows racism to um, survive and go basically unnoticed um, without people kind of combating it or revealing it. Although it may seem perfect on the surface, um, deep down there, there's still like microaggressions and racism. Thanks for joining us on episode one of Burning the House Down. Tune in next time as we discuss Trip and Pearl's toxic teenage romance. Sponsored by Elizabeth Manuel's Neighborhood Abortion Clinic. Until next time. time. Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Upper class stay at home mom who has, has a job. What? She has a job. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. My bad. <laughs> I with the public. Sponsored by Elizabeth Manuel's Neighborhood Abortion Clinic. Until, Until next. Oh. <laughs>